episode three of the Hogcast. Um, we've received really good feedback, and everyone's enjoying it. So today, um, I'm here with General Nestor, who everyone knows, uh, Colonel Mike Leonis, who's our Vice Wing Commander, and uh, the guest that we have on today is Senior Airman Manga Basong. His first name is Echi. He is an airman in the dental clinic, and he's actually from Africa. So we're going to talk to him about his story. Um, but I think I'm going to hand it off to both of you guys to kind of talk about our past UTA and then what's upcoming um, in May as we prepare for Defender Europe. Cool. Well, thanks, Shelly. I invited and thanks, uh, Etchi or uh, Senior Airman Manga Song for joining us. Um, just so you guys know, we talk about multi-capable airmen. And I just saw two multi-capable airmen, maybe three. I don't want to count Colonel Leonis. Uh, he was kind of kind of a cluster trying to help us. We went to our, our studio uh, over at the facility over there. What's the name of that facility? Uh, the Life Center. Is it the Life Center? Life the Center, Life yeah. Center. And all of our equipment was gone, and our, our studio was torn up, and they said we moved it to the chaplain's office. It's all in boxes over there. So within five minutes, Etchie and Shelly and Rio... Uh, and myself, we just kind of took the equipment out and set up a little studio here in the chaplain's office. So I didn't get struck by lightning when I walked into the chapel. But, um, it's a sign, sir. It's a sign. Yeah, we're working out of the chaplain's office. I wish my friend Tango was here. He's a, he's a, I could interview him. He's an atheist. And uh, we have an interesting conversation about his, his background, background and religion. But anyway, thanks for setting it up. And, and, and we, we're going to get our third podcast underway. Nasty time. Nasty so we're just coming off this is day four of a four-day uta uh and we did some really awesome stuff i'll let uh, rio chime in as well i i just watched the c-130 take off this morning with about 15 of our airmen uh, to head to salina so what we were really practicing was like kind of like a bug out uh, kind of like a, a hub and spoke system where our a-10s got diverted to another base another island another pl- place in europe and uh, they were flying, and they got diverted over to Salina, and then they had to get uh, bombs, bullets, and fuel over there from the 130, uh, and then come back here. So that's kind of what we were practicing today. But all of our squadrons did some really cool training in this four-day UTA, starting with security forces. They have been over in Salina for the last three or four days using a facility over there by Smoky Hill Range doing um, some live weapons training that they can't do here. Uh, and then they did some uh, building clearing and some training they just can't get here out there. We got some good videos that we're going to put on Facebook, and you can kind of watch what they do. If, if anybody saw the uh, terrible incident down in Nashville and the professionalism of those policemen that went into that school and cleared that school out, and I think they got into that building and, and got that shooter then inside of six minutes, but I watched it. It was on on YouTube. That goes to show you the professional training that those guys had, and that's kind of what our security forces guys were doing this weekend. Our CE guys were down at Cannon Range in some mop gear yesterday, and they got some low A-10 flybys and got to see the gun shoot, as well as uh, our chaplains were down there, Chaplain Simon, who's uh, retiring next month. First time all three of those guys had seen the A-10 shoot, and uh, they got quite a treat, and, and I think it kind of scared them a little bit. So uh, they, they got to see that, and the CE guys loved that. Our LRS guys, uh, I was over there giving some awards out. They did some really cool uh, TCCC training, and they got some rodeo ATSO training this weekend as well. Uh, maintenance, awesome stuff with the Surge. Uh, I think we've flown, what, Rio? Uh, f- I think we 21 of 22 on sa- uh, Sunday, and 22 sorties yesterday, another 22, I think, today. So a lot of the pilots, we wanted to get what we call CMR, combat mission ready, before we go to Europe. Uh, and a lot of those guys got nine flights in two and uh, three days of surging. So it's awesome stuff. Yeah, I think we also had a tanker in there too. So we got more 
sortie counters as well. It's real efficient. That's awesome. So the maintenance guys did that. They did some rodeo training with ATSO too. And then, like I said, they got some agile combat employment, multi-capable airman training done down at Solana. So good stuff from them. Uh, Rio and I attended a, what's called a verification over at the ops building, uh, where a new pilot has to verify b- before he's what's called mission ready. And it spends about a week planning a mission uh, like they're, they were going to go do. And this one was like a, a Russia-Ukraine scenario. Uh, and they did a four-ship, and, and they were talking about some new weapons we're going to get, so small diameter bombs and how to employ those. Really awesome job by those those four pilots. Our medical folks, man, they're uh, kind of been caught by surprise with a, a, a cut in their manpower from 76 to 38. Colonel Greenspan's talking to the FRC uh, SG folks on on that and trying to, to give data for why we need to keep uh, some positions and not cut down to 38. So uh, more to follow on that, but uh, we're, we're really trying to uh, to keep our, our numbers uh, where they are because we need those folks to get us uh, the training we need. TCCC training, training to go out the door, post-deployment uh, training, PHA, MHA kind of stuff, and we need that. And the FSS also had a really good four-day UTA doing some good ATSO training and admin kind of stuff as well. Uh, anything to add to that, Rio? Yeah, so uh, the uh, verification that the weapon you were talking about is the GB-39. That went down the list of upgrades that this airplane's had for the last two decades. And other than maybe precision engagement, which is the C model, that, that weapon's given us more capability than, than any of these upgrades we've had uh, of many. Um, you know, I saw them uh, brief up a 20-mile standoff uh, attack and then uh, the next scenario they ran up a valley uh, below the radar threat and uh, we're, we're certainly the only airframe that can do that out there showing the incredible airplane that we're operating here um, but yeah it was a great verification and, and our weapons officer Major Phelps really did a great job to make sure our pilots are up to speed on that on that new new weapon that's coming. I think uh, that was Major uh, Leal Shekel he volunteered to do that. He's done three or four, I think it was his fifth verification. So a lot of time and effort he put into that. So uh, that yeah, was awesome. Totally agree. I volunteered. Uh, and for those maintenance guys that are doing all these mods for us last year and this year, the, the GRG mod, when we get done with all these mods, we're going to have the most advanced antenna of any unit in the, in the United States Air Force. So thanks for putting all the time and effort into that. And we never know how much longer we're going to need this aircraft and uh, its life expectancy. So we want to have the top... A10 as far as all the modifications and upgrades we can get. So some other stuff that happened this weekend, We, uh, our yellow ribbon coordinator, Eric Harris, who made chief, congrats, I went over to their ceremony, Chief Calhoun from Munitions, 32 years here, been on every deployment we've had. Uh, great to see him pin on chief and Chief Eric Harris, who was the yellow ribbon. Uh, they had a great ceremony over in Building 91 in the hangar there. The ammo cheer was awesome, uh, and uh, uh, congrats to those two guys as well. But anyway, we, we interviewed uh, three people for the Yellow Ribbon, and congrats to Amanda Lay. She's going to be our new Yellow Ribbon. Amanda's currently the Security Forces um, First Sergeant, and she also worked over in maintenance as a scheduling. She's still going to do the First Sergeant job. She's still going to help out in scheduling, uh, and she's going to be our 442nd Yellow Ribbon coordinator. So it's uh, two years of orders, and uh, congrats to her. Our DTNF. Uh, is going to turn over as well. I think uh, Jess Cable uh, runs that, and she's going to go to a different job. And we're going to interview for that in May. Chief Barian's going to put an email out this week. So if you're interested in doing that, DTNF, uh, what Etchy went through, is, is kind of an introduction to the 442nd before you go to basic training. You come out and learn customs and courtesies. Uh, we're going to try to start taking those folks to the range to watch the A-10, kind of get them integrated into what we do here before they go to basic training. So they have an understanding of what they're getting into. Most of the kids are uh, fresh out of high school. Some in Etchy's case were 
31, 32 years old. But whatever the case, we want to make them feel like they're part of something before they go off to basic training. Uh, and then uh, two other retirements that we had uh, that were awesome. And Lieutenant Colonel Sims uh, had a really good Fenny flight retirement. He pulled his jet up to Building 91, hopped out. A lot of family and friends there and a huge hailstorm i think that damaged a crap ton full of cars in the unit <laughs> hit luckily they got the a10 moved uh and we had a good retirement um uh lieutenant colonel mcconnell gave a great speech there i want you guys to out there to kind of listen to this story about these two folks uh, lieutenant colonel sims and lieutenant colonel sour because like i said the other day these are self-made individuals kind of like etchy who we're going to talk to today uh and i don't feel like i'm not not that self-made i'm i'm um, self-made in a way because when I had an opportunity I made it work right but these people went out and got their own opportunity so Lieutenant Colonel Sims starts out as an A-10 weapons loader up in Wisconsin they switched because he all he wanted to do was fly A-10s they switch over to the F-16s he loads weapons on those and then he gets hired by Trans States Airlines and, and as goes down to St. Louis as F-15C weapons loader and then gets hired by us the A-10 unit here in Kansas City so a 32-year career, uh, tons of combat deployments, tons of hard work, and a, and a great job. So congrats to Colonel Sims. We'll miss him and, and his hard work tremendously. He was a commander here of the OSS, uh, did great stuff for the range down at Cannon, and just a, almost an irreplaceable guy. And then uh, Lieutenant Colonel Val saw her retirement. It was April 15th. We gave her a going away. Another awesome story. It's in the Air Force in, in, in Arizona as a boomer. A person that sits in the back of a, a refueling plane and refuels is a boom operator, right? Gets her degree, gets some flying time, and gets hired by Grissom as a uh, Air Reserve uh, tanker pilot at Grissom Air Force Base. Has some interest in flying the A-10 back in, I think, 2001, 2002 time frame, 23 years ago. Comes over here, gets hired by us. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was the first female fighter pilot in 10th Air Force in the Air Force Reserves. So what, what a cool story. Went to combat with us four times. Uh, really did some good stuff over in Iraq and Afghanistan for the 303rd Fighter Squadron and has worked out of the command post. And Rio's going to share a really cool combat story he had with... Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sauer. Yeah, uh, back to Deuce. He also was the initial projo for Patriot Fury and, and kind of passed that off uh, to us in good shape. But yeah, Val, uh, or Lieutenant Colonel Sauer, uh, people know her as Val, uh, as the command post OIC, uh, but uh, a lot of people don't know her as Bush, the uh, A-10 fighter pilot. And uh, how'd, back, she, how'd she get the call sign Bush? I think she uh, shot a, a Bush in the Arizona desert with a Maverick, <laughs> uh, thus the call sign. So instead of a tank, she hit a Bush with a Maverick missile on a live shot, and yeah. so we called her Bush, yeah, so and that was her, her nickname. That was her nickname. So uh, in 2008, uh, we were uh, deployed to Bagram, um, and uh, Val, uh, or Bush, uh, had a check ride oh. due. Uh, we normally didn't do check rides in, in combat, but our squadron does, does those, so we went out. I was her check pilot on the wing, and she led a uh, combat sortie uh, in the uh, basically south of the Coast Bowl, which is uh, in kind of central west Afghanistan. It was kind of an uneventful sortie at first. We were overwatching a, uh, a, a fob that was getting mortared uh, throughout the week, and they, they kind of had an idea where it was coming from. And uh, over there, probably 30 minutes to an hour, and all of a sudden, uh, she starts chiming in that she sees a, a, a poo launch. And, and I, I, when I got my eyes on it, I couldn't believe that she picked it up because it was a very, very narrow 
thin launch of smoke coming out of the woods, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But she picked it up, and uh, the uh, that event started, uh, you know, an, an engagement where uh, we ended up unloading the A-10. So multiple bombs, GBU-12, uh, full-loaded gun, and uh, HE rockets all in this area here. Uh, and I've unloaded my gun, or unloaded the jet only uh, one other time with, with that. You know, I, I remember uh, she, she just came on point and, uh, and just took charge and, and was exceptional. I gave her, a, uh, obviously passed the check ride, but I gave her a commendable for flight leadership, which is something I don't throw out very, very lightly, but she handled it real well. And I'll remember one of her, her gun passes was along a ridge line and uh, she, she turned uh, the stabilization system off and probably ran uh, at least 300 bullets along the ridge line, uh, just tearing up where these uh, Taliban combatants were coming from. So uh, quite, quite, a, quite a memory. You know, I remember about five sorties uh, in my uh, combat combat history, and that's one of them. And uh, she's, uh, you know, you might know her as Valley OIC, but I remember her as Bush. She was a, she was a fighter pilot 303rd, and uh, we sent her out pretty well. Uh, at the uh, at fighter wing staff meeting, and I think she was shocked uh, that we uh, gave her the uh, respect and honor that she deserves as a fighter pilot. So cool, uh, she appreciated. Thanks to Lee Sausage, uh, Sausage for making that awesome plaque for her. That was yeah, really was awesome. And for Deuce, both of them were awesome. Yep. Um, another thing I want to mention: some some sad news about uh, one of our sheet metal uh, guys, Pete Young, um, who lost both his parents in an awful, awful. Uh, car accident in Texas. I think their funeral is going to be in Independence on Saturday. So uh, uh, keep your prayers out for Pete and his family. Um, just a terrible uh, situation that uh, hopefully we can come together and support him as he's going through some tough times. Next month, uh, if we don't do another podcast before May, we're heading out to Europe uh, to do some cool training over in Greece and Spain to do some work with the uh, NATO Army folks, both in Spain and Greece, and some awesome training opportunities for our guys. Uh, and then in Rio, it took over the, the lead for Patriot Fury from Lieutenant Colonel Sims. He and Keith Yersak, man, they, they have worked tirelessly. I think they're taking 550 folks down to South America. Uh, and this has been a full-time job for these guys for the last basically nine months to a year. Uh, uh, something that Air Force Reserves has never done, leading that many people in a MAGCOM type push to South America. What an exceptional job they're doing. And why don't you give us an update on, on what you guys are doing for Patriot Fury Rio? Yeah, so uh, 550 reservists. It's a, uh, we'll think of it as every uh, NAF in the reserve is going. So it's an AFRIC sourced and led deployment down into uh, South America. Um, 22nd Air Force, 4th Air Force, and 10th Air Force. Uh, our component in the 442nd Wing is about 70, uh, 70 packs. Most of them are out of the uh, support group, but we have uh, some, some pros out of the uh, ops group and uh, uh, maintenance group. And then we've taken 16 members from Moody down there, specifically the FARP team, and they're getting spun up to do FARP with uh, C-130s down there. Uh, yeah, it has kind of been a uh, full-time job. It kind of goes in waves. Uh, right now we're at an apex of a wave because uh, on Friday, our main location, Ecuador, basically canceled on us. So we, uh, with about three months ago, re-vectored uh, the entire exercise into Peru. Uh, and, and why are we doing this? You know, obviously to show that Africa can source and lead and uh, deploy a, an Africa-only unit. Uh, but we're uh, partnering with the South Americans. Um, but it's uh, basically anti-China and anti-Russia. You know, if you look at the weapon systems that these countries have, we're gonna go down there and we're gonna uh, forward air control FAC Su-25s. 
uh, from Peru. And uh, if you look on the news every day, uh, Ukraine is flying Su-25s, Soviet, Soviet era uh, aircraft. And then the, the base we're going to, the new base in Peru, uh, you know, they have what airplanes do they have at the front gate? Uh, there's a Mirage, but they have a, an SA-2 uh, missile system sitting at the front of the gates to, to greet us as we show up there. But yeah, it's been very challenging and, and you know, I'm trying to trying to motivate people as we go through all these hurdles and, 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 and changes and, you know, part of the pain and part of the training is, is the planning. So uh, yeah, Keith Irsak has been key. Um, and we have a couple other key guys that are, that are planning from here, our force protection pro, our cops are, are, are the lead. Our Persco guys are the lead, um, and and we're just just showing the the strength of the 442nd among a, a really really strong Afric uh, showing. So hopefully hopefully we figure this out going down there in a couple weeks to Peru to walk around and and see these places, and uh, hopefully in July we'll execute and uh, uh, make Afric par proud. Ne never has the Air Force not only active duty but Afric has done this, uh, kind of gone to these austere bases. Uh, without the support of, you know, hey, we're going to war, the the, the uh, war prep machine going into these bases before us, uh, we're going into this airfields that are just not not ready for us, Ben, we're going to make it happen. So that's Patriot Fury. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I, before we get to actually, one more thing, I ran into, uh, just going to Billy, I got back from Colonel Sims' retirement, and this airman was going in, and uh, I, I recognized him as crew chief, but uh, Evan Drake was his name, and, and he had just had a long drive from K-State. He's a sophomore at K-State. I'm like, hey, what are you studying? I'm a pilot program, ROTC. So I just said, hey, you, you know about the Air Force Reserve unsponsored slot or have you tried to get hired here? Yeah, he thinks he's kind of stuck into ROTC. And I, I said, hey, there's opportunities for you to go to pilot training through the Air Force Reserve, either sponsored or unsponsored. He didn't really know about. And uh, another crew chief, Southern, uh, uh, Sergeant Southern, is doing the same thing, trying to, to get hired so any of you guys out there like uh I, I pointed him in the direction of lieutenant Mackey who was a Purdue Ratsy kid uh who who got an unsponsored Air Force Reserve slot got out of his ROTC commitment joined the reserves and then got hired by our unit and did get sponsored and now he's flying hogs with us and he's got an airline job at like 26 years old so a lot of opportunities just from like running into people but if, if you if you're one of those people out there that wants an opportunity and Etchie's going to say this down the road, but he, he, he says his, he's like, anybody can be taught to do something, right? So any of you guys that sit there and think, I can't do this, I can't do that, our, our next guest, Etchie's, is going to kind of tell you, hey, you can do whatever you want. If, if you have dreams, goals, and aspirations to, uh, to be a crew chief, be an art, be an AGR, be a pilot, be an officer, be a dentist, be a lawyer, uh, there's tons of opportunities within our wing, outside of our wing. Just let your commander know, let me know directly. Come into my office and say, hey, General Nestor, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to help you try to get a path to do that, right? I want to help uh, educate, and I want to help uh, grow our airmen because what you guys do for us. introduce that Chief Shelley. Yeah, so um, I think Chief Master Jambarian and I met you, it had it been last December, no, November. November. November, and um, the Base Community Council does a program, I remembered what it is called, Home for the Holidays. Yes, ma'am. And it is a fantastic program, and it is a TFI program with the 509th, 131st, and 442nd, and we submit airmen um, with extenuating circumstances 
to go home for the holidays, and that is sponsored by the base community council. So your first sergeant submitted you, and when we went down to the BCC to and they presented you your ticket home, I remember talking to you afterwards and just kind of asking your story. But I think the craziest thing for me and why I found you like such a joy to talk to was you hadn't been home in how many years? Ten years. Okay, say I said five. I was totally wrong. Ten years, which is crazy. Um, I remember, I never caught up with you. Like, I remember you said you were going to FaceTime your mom. Did you do that or did you surprise her? My plan initially was to surprise everybody. But uh, when I spoke with her the Friday before the day I took off, she said she was feeling ill. I was like, for me to make her feel better, I just said, hey, I'm coming. You see me on Sunday. And what'd she do? She did it like... She was like, okay. <laughs> uh, she said, okay. Well, that's good. Was it a good trip home? Yes, ma'am. Okay. How, awesome. how long did you get to stay? Just seven days, unfortunately. Seven days? Yes, sir. But it was like more than gold to me. How long have you lived in the... When did you come over from Uganda, right? Uganda? I'm from Germany. I came all the way from Germany. From Germany? Yes, sir. Oh, where before that? Cameroon. 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 Yes, sir. Did you, is that where you were born and raised? That's where I was born and raised, sir. I need to look at a map. <laughs> I know. Central Africa region. Central Africa? Yeah. Wow. And how long did you live there? I lived up to the age of 26. That is wild to me. How old are you right now? Um, 37. You have your master's, right, from yes, Germany. Yes, I remember yes, talking to you. Your story's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited about this. He like he came into my office. He's like, can I have a list of what we're going to talk about? I was like, no. So that's Cameroon. <laughs> yes, sir. Isn't that crazy? How old were you when you moved from Cameroon yeah. to Germany? I was 26, sir. And where'd you go in Germany? Uh, Bremen. Towards the northern part of Germany. To, to what, what city? Bremen. Bremen? Bremen. Bremen. Yes, sir. Mm. And, and what brought you there, your folks? I went there to do my master's degree. Oh, you, so you did undergrad in Cameroon? Yes, sir. Are your, is, are your parents still in Cameroon? Everybody else is from uh, You're the only one from your family here? Yes, sir. Wow. Wild, right? Uh, all right. <laughs> and, like then, an and, then, and how old were you when you came here? I was 31 years old. From Germany to where? To the U.S. I, I landed at uh, Virginia because I came here to visit. A friend of mine was like graduating from college. So after uh, I left Virginia, I stayed there for like three weeks. I moved to Oklahoma City. I stayed there for two months, then I moved to Kansas City. What, you, what brought you to KC? I was talking to this lady, so. A uh, girl. I, I had to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lady. Dude, they went into I, that. I, that went right over my head. <laughs> I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't tell you what I told Colonel Jonas about the strength of women yesterday. Guess so, moved to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you could lift up the Titanic with one woman. <laughs> oh, my God. It's very strong. That's, that's a strong pull when you find one you really like. Are you married to this gal now? Yes, sir. Awesome. Oh, it's wow. crazy. So you come to Kansas City, you get, how long have you been married? I've been married, I think, five years now. How old are you right now? I'm 37. 37. <clears throat> and when did you join the 442nd? I joined, I enlisted uh, 12 December 2020. And since then, I was in the uh, development and training flight for like eight months. Then I got shipped to BMT 8th of August 2021. I think I might have met you in yes, sir. development and training flight yes, when I was the vice times. wing commander. Yeah. Uh, at breakfast or somewhere. Yeah. So, you're, what are you doing in MDS? You're dent, in, dental, dental assistant. Dental assistant. Yes, Is that what you do on the civilian side? No, sir. I work with Honeywell currently. Honeywell? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, you and everybody else. Honeywell's taking all of our employees. What do you do at Honeywell? I'm like an operator. 
He, know, he knows what we do. I do. I uh, know. I don't. Are you, uh, is that like secret squirrel stuff? Yes. I say, uh, isn't the term you make non-nuclear parts for nuclear weapons? Exactly. Gotcha. That's, that's an operator. Yes, sir. What's your master's degree in? Geology. Geology. Yes, sir. You got a master's in geology, but you're working as an operator for Honeywell, and you're working here as a dental assistant? Yes, sir. How'd you learn all this stuff? School. I'm just, I, I'm smart, but I'm not that too smart, so I just believe something that somebody can be trained to do, I can also do the same thing. That's my concept. Good concept. It's a good concept. I believe in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not real smart either, but I'm trainable. Except for my wife. <laughs> She's still trying to train me. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's like, that's a very emotional story for me. Yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. And, um, you know, I think when I talk to my airmen and when I look at my life, you just kind of realize how fortunate we are. And you've like really created your own path. So we'll kind of. Yeah. So like I always that. say, like live in gratitude, right? You mm -hmm. probably, you live in gratitude. You're great. Seem like you're grateful for the opportunities you've had. Tell me about growing up in Cameroon, what that was like. Uh, I come from a family of seven. I'm the last. And uh, before I was born, my father, he was like, quit his job. And he was doing like a, like a homemade soap. Then he would produce the soap, then my mother could sell in the market. We're not, we're poor, but not too poor, because I would say every day we have like to be cost meal. Then we have like enough money to go to school. So when I finished elementary school and I went to secondary, because with us it's different year, you people have like great this and great that. With us it's elementary secondary high school and college so at some point we were like three of us also in secondary school every week we had a certain amount of money like enough amount of money to pay for transportation to fit every day in school throughout the academic year so so you had to pay for the school yes sir. it wasn't that expensive it's like a hundred dollars an academic year but at some point in high school i went to like the dormitory for one year, which cost like $1,000 as well, a Catholic dormitory. So I really appreciate everything my parents did for me so far, the sacrifices they made mm -hmm. for me to be who I am today. I will live like gratitude to them all the day of my life. And, and out of the seven siblings, are you the oldest? Where do you fall into that? I'm the last. You're the youngest? Yes, sir. And how much education do your older siblings have? Uh, my elder brother, he also had a master's degree, studied in Germany. He had, I did mechanical engineering. He was the one that also sent me over to my master's. I have uh, three other sisters. Two of them, they have, uh, one of them had master's. Then one of them got just a high school diploma and the other got a college degree. As far as my other brother, he had just a high school diploma. And do all your siblings still live in Africa? Five of them are in Africa. My other sister, she's in Paris with uh, the family. She married, she got to wake it. She lives in France with the husband. In France, in Paris. Awesome. So you finished high school and you're going to go to the university in Cameroon? Yes, sir. And what, what was the name of that university? University of Boya. Boya. Yes, sir. It's found in the south, uh, they call it the southwest province of the southwest state. It's a, one of like an English-speaking university. Is it uh, this one right here? Boya. Boya. B-U-E-A? Yeah, from the yes, coast sir. there. Yes, yes sir. Beach Town. Beach. That's the name of the <laughs> town, Boya. So uh, I did four years. I did. Uh, I applied initially for biochemistry, but unfortunately my name came out of the list for those selected to do geology. I never did geology in high school. I didn't know nothing about geology. <laughs> so at some point I, I was really lost, but then I put in my interest. I don't know. 
Fortunately for me, I was able to graduate at the right time. Where did you get your smarts from, your mom or your dad? Yeah. Or both? I would say for my father's side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to so, tell your mom. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, this town doesn't look that big for no, university. It's, it's kind of small. It's very small. Yeah. Yeah. So zero. So we're saying you were born in Cameroon. You were there until you were 26. Yes, ma'am. Got your bachelor's in geology. Yes, ma'am. So were you working after college in Cameroon? No, sir. It's, no. it's, it's not like it's this way where after you leave college, you get a job. Tiny. Yeah. Tiny yeah. college. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's wow. like, it's very difficult getting a job. You have like, I would say to be honest with you guys, you have like more than a million graduates with degree, jobless. Oh, wow. So a million people with college degrees, they're jobless. Yes, sir. Wow. So you decided, hey, I need to go do a master's and I want to go to Germany. Did your brother kind of encourage you to do that? I I had the wish, but there have to be financial opportunities for me to do that. So my family put together all what they have and sent me over. That was one of the push factors because at some point in my study, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But when I look back, <laughs> the sacrifices, the investment they put in me, I'm like, I owe them something. And for me to make them to be proud, is for me to accomplish what the sentiment to do. Awesome. So um, you get to Germany. Where are you living in, in Germany? The name of the town again? I first uh, was in Berlin for, for a year. I was doing one environmental and research management program. I didn't really like it. So I was like, I want to do something that will be much more comfortable, something with at the end of the day, I would likely have a job. So I applied to University of Bremen. Bremen. They offer more of like geoscience courses like the study of oil and gas. Yeah. Curly Big. So you're studying like oil and gas production there. Yes, sir. Uh, my main uh, focus was seismicity. Let's say, for instance, the whole of White Man Air Force Base is like covered with water, and they'd be like, okay, we don't know if there is oil and gas in it. We need to do a ge geophysical survey. What I specialize in, I will be those crew to get it to the ship, run seismic signals all the way to the sea floor, mm. get back the signal, process it. Then I can tell if there is gas somewhere or if there is oil somewhere. That's what I wow. initially started. Should be working for Shell. I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Shell Oil Company. Wow. Is, so, is there oil uh, in Cameroon? Is there an yes, oil sir. industry there? Yes, sir. Oh. You have a lot of foreign, like American uh, companies over there. You have uh, ExxonMobil is there. You have a couple of them total. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so you, you finish up in Germany, and what made you come to the United States? My plan was to finish school, work for a year, then go visit my parents back home. But then I got this call from a friend of mine who says, hey, I'll be graduating from college. Can you please come to my graduation? I'm like, okay, cool. I'll see what I can do. So I came here April, uh, May 7th, 2017 in Virginia. I stayed there for three weeks. Then in Oklahoma City, I have a lot of friends we, that we grew up together in the same neighborhood so they were like hey come over this way it would be better for you people like, from cameroon yes sir in oklahoma like, city the same neighborhood a lot of them so you go to oak city and, and meet meet up with your old friends from your neighborhood yes sir i stayed there for like two months 
then I get to see like the opportunity. I, I didn't know nothing literally about the US because every time somebody kind of tell me something like, have you ever considered to go live in the US? I'm like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> they say why? I say, I don't know, but I just love to live in Europe. I don't know where I had the concept, but when I came here, I saw the opportunities that lies in this country. Then I kind of asked myself like, okay, everywhere I go, they speak English. In Germany, you need to be excellently fluent in German, German. to be able to get a good job. There's a, there's a reason that people are coming across the border in droves for the opportunities here, right? Yes, sir. That's where I get upset when people complain about the country. And I'm like, I, I, go to, I travel to China, I travel to Japan, I travel to Korea, to Europe. I don't see people lining up to go to those countries, right? There's, there's a reason people want to come into this country, and, and you tell a good story about, about why. So tell me about this girl you met down in Oklahoma City. I got a link from somebody. So I got a number, we started talking. My intention was to like, let me just keep the communication at some point. Then at some point it was like, okay, you better move down here so you get to see her and her family and stuff like that. So when I got here, the family, they really loved me. They really respected me. That was one of the key things that really made me to stay because- Was she from Cameroon also? No, sir, she's from here. She's from the United States? Yes, sir. Where is she from? Yeah, Kansas City. Kansas City? Yes, sir. So you met, but you met her in Oklahoma City? No, I got her through some, a contact with somebody. Oh, okay, you met her in Kansas City. Yes, so, uh, like, back home in Africa, marriage is all about family. It's or, not about husband and wife. If I'm in a relationship with you, my family doesn't like you, I can never get married to you. Uh, my in-laws need to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a family thing. So when I came here, the family, they loved me, they respected me. They wanted me to stay. I was like, okay, I'll stay. Good. Wow. Good. Wow. Now, what, what's, what does your wife do? She works at uh, downtown Kansas City as a taxpayer specialist. Awesome. And do you have children? Not yet, sir. Not yet? Yes, sir. So you meet this gal. She brings you up to Kansas City. You move up here. Were you working then up there? No, I wasn't working there. I started working in 2018. My first job in the U.S. was with International Paper, a corrugated company. Uh, my dream there was uh, with my degree, maybe after six months, I would see myself like step up in a management role, which didn't happen. I stayed there for like four years. I didn't get a chance, so I had to look for opportunities as well. Because I realized there is no like level of growth in the company, so to me it was like what less for me to keep on working there as well. So I had to look for other opportunities as well. So I know you're you work in the dent you're a dental dental hygienist, dental yes, assistant. Yes, sir. Did you start doing that in Kansas City? And how'd you how'd you get trained? Did you get trained by that in the Air Force? In the Air Force, yeah. Okay, so what 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 said? Hey, actually, you need to join the Air Force. After two years, I realized the accomplishments I've had, and it's all because this country gave me a chance to live here. I bought a brand new car for myself. I was at the point of buying a house for myself just within two years. I have a credit score of seven hundred. I was like, I really need to appreciate them. Because if I would have applied for my green card and they're like, no, we don't need you here, I wouldn't have like achieved all of those things. So I asked, I said, how can I appreciate, what can I do? To give back to, to the give country. back to, you know, the opportunities they gave me to stay here. And somebody was like, you can go join the military. I said, no, I don't want to do full time. I said, because <laughs> I've traveled, I've lived in Africa, I've lived in the European continent, now I'm now in the US. I don't want something where they will keep moving me to other countries. I said, I don't want to be traveling no more. And somebody was like, no, you can do part time. 
I said, they have part time? He says, yes. I said, okay, I will check into it. So I did my search. And when I called the reserve line, the first question they asked was, are you a US citizen? <laughs> I said, no, I'm a green card holder, permanent resident. So when your green card expire, when I told them, they said it's less than six months. Call us when you have your 10 years. I was like, okay, sir, I'll do just that. So immediately I got my 10 years, I called them, and they gave me the number of a recruiter. I was like, okay, I'll call him the next day. Five minutes afterwards, I got a call from my phone. Did you say 10 years or two years? Well, with uh, with the green card system, yeah. with immigration, you get like two years residency. Okay. Then after the two years residency, two years. you get 10 years residency. Ten, ten, okay, so you had 10 years residency. Now you can apply for the reserve. Yes, sir. And somebody puts you in contact with the 442nd recruiters? I just got it. They gave me the number. I was like, I'll call the next day. Just five minutes afterwards, my phone was ringing. This is Sergeant Gomez with the Air Force. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, sir. Like Gomez. <laughs> it wasn't Thames, it was Gomez? Yes, sir. You know Thames, our recruiter here? Yes, sir. Yeah. So I went to his office in Independence and he like he explained everything to my understanding. And he was really helpful. It was really yeah. What uh, you have a master's degree, obviously a tech master. Did they try to get you into something like that, or did they just give you a, a whole slew of options and you chose uh, dental? When I joined, I wasn't a U.S. citizen at that point, so my options were limited. So he wanted me to do civil engineering. I said I'm not comfortable doing civil engineering. My intent was to do something related to IT but I need to be a U.S. citizen for me to be able to apply for something like that. So his words were, look for anything temporary. When you get in, anytime, you can switch your course into something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you can. You, so so how, did you, they tell you you're going to do dental or you, you choose that? No, they told me that I have to. He was like, look for something temporary. I said, okay, I will go with dental. God, God bless you. I hope you don't have to do my teeth someday. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to take the um, ASVAB? Yes, ma'am. Okay. My ASVAB score was 72. Oh, that's really good. So. Okay. I think you picked a good career field. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. My, my, my future with the Air Force is to be here for as much as possible. So are you still working for International Paper? No, sir. Currently, I work with Honeywell. Honeywell. Oh, for Honeywell. Yeah. Okay. You forgot that on purpose. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what. He's an operator for Honeywell. Honeywell's stealing all of our people, including Etchy. Um, you like working for Honeywell? It's a nice place. I got told by a couple of people that with my master's degree, I have a lot of opportunities. Like I was going to say, like, like, here's what I want. I want you to, I want you to be a vice president of Shell Oil Company. <laughs> and I think you could. I'm not kidding you. Like, with your story, with your degree, join the military. I want to help you become uh, an officer if that's what you want to do. You got a degree, deserving airman. You know what that is? Yes, sir. Uh, I want to send you on your way. I want to get you uh, connected with James Elliott and uh, Charlie Tetrick up in Kansas City. They got connections all over Kansas City with businesses. Uh, they would love your story and they would love your education and help you do resumes and the opportunities for you are endless. Yeah, like, they really are. Endless what you could do in this country. Uh, and I want to help you do that. Thank you so much, sir. I'm yeah, looking uh, forward to it. The theme that he also brings to the table is he doesn't let an opportunity pass. You take it and you go and get those opportunities and try try things out. And if it's not working out, you go get another opportunity. That's, that's awesome. What, that's, that's the, uh, I can say the training I got from my dad, he tells me every time, life is not easy, but you have to be ready for it. 
And if there's something that somebody can be taught to do, if you put your interest in it, you can also do the same thing. Kind of like, kind of like the same thing that one induced it. Exactly. That's yeah. what that's what you told us uh, before. You're like, hey, I I can be trained to do anything. Yes. So we talk about multi-capable airmen, right? Yes. And you, you folks out there, you're listening, we can train you to do If you're a security forces, we can train you to put a name nine on a uh, small diameter bomb load. We can train you to do other things. And, and he's a prime example of that. So... Um, Wow, that's hopefully that'll inspire some young kids out there that have been going. I have a tough life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up here. I got free high school, free college, yeah. or uh, all the opportunities these kids have in the four forty second with the post nine eleven GI Bill with tuition assistance, scholarships. They can do whatever they want. That's true. And, and uh, I don't think some of them realize that, right? Um, but w- when you get the opportunity, and somebody says you. You need to train to be an oil and gas guy. You need to train to be a geologist. You need to train to be dental hygienist. You need to to, to bust your ass and go do that. And that's kind of what you've done. Wow, that's yeah. that's, that's really awesome. impressive. I remember that women's leadership panel I spoke on. I always say, like, you know, without us realizing it, like, we won the lottery when we were born in the United States of America. The fact that, like, you had to pay for elementary school and middle school and high school is... You know something that is just granted to us and you know i think when we hear your story you know it's it's, it's inspiring it's encouraging and we all deal with hardship and you know hard times but you have another level of resilience that i think we don't see often so cool well listen i don't know if we'll be able to do another home for the holidays ticket for you but i'm a delta pilot i get some buddy passes so I'll offer you a buddy pass to go home. You have to it'll cost you a little bit of money, but uh, I don't know that we fly to Cameroon. We do fly to Paris. You could go see your sister. That would be nice. Uh, we fly nonstop to Paris from Detroit, Atlanta, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll hook you up with a buddy pass. You can go see your sister sometime. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Cool. Anything else you want to share with, with folks out there from, from our wing about uh, – your story or, or what you learned from it, uh, give, give us a little parting inspiration. I just want to say to all those listening out there, to be honest with you, the opportunities are there. Like uh, the general said earlier, you have every opportunity. If you want to go to school, you can go to school. If you want to become anything you wish for, the 442 is there to give you that training you need. If you don't have like a mentor or you are confused, Come forward, look for a recruiter, and they will channel you the same way I was channeled, and you will get to the right source and get to where you want to be in this life. Awesome. And, and, and just like I told you about running into Evan Drake, or is that, if, if you guys out there listen to this, currently owners, Shelly, myself, Etchy, there's lots of people out there that are willing to help you guys uh, and willing to steer you in the right direction on a job opportunity in our wing, outside of our wing, in Europe, in PACAF, wherever you want to live somewhere else, closer to where you live, yeah, we'll, we want to help you guys out. All right, that's part of taking care of people. And that's kind of what our what top priority is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome story, yeah. Thank that's you, sir. Incredible. All right. That's awesome. it. Thanks, Thanks Shelly. What, 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 what are we going to call this episode? I don't know. You know, Edgy. Bob, we should. Call it Etchy. Yeah, we may. We may just name it after you. You're pretty, <laughs> you give an awesome story. That's incredible.